Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. For the better part of the next three hours, I am your voice. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio 670 Score. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studio, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Hit me up at 312-644-6767. The Tech Zone, brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhunday.com. That's where you can reach me on the tech zone. You can also use that same number to give me a call. Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com. We will have some outstanding guests on the show that I will detail for you in a moment. Guests, join us on the Score Hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And, um, I'm a. It, it was a, it was a nice game by the Cubs, so I'm excited about a couple of things that we saw there. But I think the the excitement needs to be tempered because the expectations for the squad this season are middling at best. But nice to see Seiya Suzuki get his first hit, and that first hit left the park in a hurry. So he showed off some of that power that we've been told about. So it's nice to see him get that. As he uh, he was 0 for 8 in the spring going into that game, so it was a nice moment for him to be able to make that happen. So news happening with the Cubs, news happening with the with the Bears. We will hear from Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus throughout the show tonight. We'll bring some of that to you as we get into a variety of discussions. And I, I got to say, as uh, Cesar Perez on the ones and twos for me, throughout the course of the next uh, three-ish hours, I'll be here with you till 9 p.m. tonight, and Cesar will be running the board for me, running the sound for me and everything 
under the sun as I am uh, here with you until that time. Got to say, I'm feeling pretty good about things this evening. This is the last time you're going to hear me for uh, for a minute. I'm getting ready to get up out of town, um, feeling feeling well hydrated, feeling, uh, I don't know, slender might be an overstatement, but been trying some new things here over the last few weeks, which is essentially not eating everything I feel like eating. Been managing some portions here because we're getting ready to get out of town, head to parts unknowns, go hit the beach somewhere with the wife and the four-year-old. So as I've been getting set for that, I've said, you know what? I'm, I may not go full on like, um, you know, Dwayne Johnson, get the get the beach vibe back in action, but let me at least just kind of pay attention to, to what I'm consuming. So we've been, we've been monitoring things a little bit, feeling all right about that. Um, I, I got to say my potty breaks throughout the show, though, maybe may uh, may on tilt. So we'll have to – that's something I'm going to monitor closely too, because I am uh, I I'm normally good about the hydration, but it's been excessive, and I think it's actually balanced out okay. I don't know how many of you, as especially here in Chicago, where we don't always have the the weather throughout the year, as you may have noticed, that allows us to be maybe scantily clad, walking around. Like it was one thing uh, going to school in Iowa City, and it didn't matter. You know, you get the teenagers, get the college kids out there when they decide. If they're about to go out and run the streets, then it would be, you know, 35 degrees at night in Iowa City back when I was in college. And it didn't matter, you know, if, if somebody wanted to wear a cutoff shirt, if somebody wanted to wear a skirt, then that was just what they were going to do. And they, they weren't really worried about the weather conditions and whether or not it felt felt conducive to uh, to be able to show all that kind of skin and be comfortable with it. Here in Chicago, the adults, uh, you start to roam around the city a little bit. And we're getting into to late March, be April, obviously, in a couple of days here. Getting to the part of the year where the weather is a little bit less dicey. Things are going to start to warm up more consistently here. And so some folks out there, even if you're not getting ready to hit the high road or getting ready to go go to some uh, some beach locale somewhere, just being around the city. Maybe you're, uh, you're trying to make sure you got your, your summertime vibe happening. Maybe get your six-pack working. So I'm, I'm definitely not... I'm not full on six pack mode right now, but I've at least uh, I've at least begun paying attention to to what I'm consuming. Just so we out there, we snapping a few pics or whatever. I want to at least feel alright about what I'm doing while we're getting ready to go out and do that. So I'll, I'll be heading out of town. Since so be the last time I'll be on the score with you here for uh, I think a couple of weeks. I'm not going to be out of town that entire time for a couple of weeks, but I'll be gone throughout the throughout the week next week. So looking forward to being able to hang out with you. For a few hours tonight, we've been doing our little cleanse program as we're getting ready to get out of town. I've been, uh, I've been, uh, I've been packing very effectively as well. I must say, I, I'm normally and Caesar. I don't know how you are about this. I'm normally awful about packing. I'm normally like Mister Last Second Packer. Literally the night before. Doesn't matter how many days, weeks, months in advance that that I've known, that my wife has known, we're getting ready to go somewhere. Inevitably, we're up late at night the night before, just filling the bags, forcing stuff in there, and just kind of, you know, obviously we want to make sure we got all the important stuff, but even aside from just the overpacking that can take place at times, even just the, the initial packing usually doesn't start until the evening before, and then it can carry on into the, the wee hours. I got to say, though, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I've at least been... Been getting ahead of the game on some of that this week. How how are you normally with that, Caesar? Are you a guy who packs in advance, or are you kind of a last second suitcase guy? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, packing is just one of the many things in my life. Thank God for my wife. I'll just say that. 
uh, because there are many things organization-wise that if I didn't have her, I'd be a mess. I'd be a mess yeah. out there. So thank God for my wife when it comes to packing. Uh, she's usually on top of all that, especially I have a seven and a four-year-old, you know. So, okay. uh, you know, you know what comes along with all that. Make sure you have all those little things that uh, you're going to need for a trip. So. Thank God for my wife. Again, not even just packing. Many organizational things uh, in my life would be a complete mess without her. Right. I definitely feel you on that, man. And that's the thing where, you know, because we're, we're obviously we're not in that, that weather pattern here in the city yet for, you know, for the location we're going to. We're going to need the beach clothes, the warm clothes, the, uh, you know, the flip flops and the water shoes and all that kind of stuff. So, we're we're getting that stuff out, but we still have the the common like we can't just empty the closet for for you know this time of year yet. We're not just saying like you know I'm not I'm not gonna need to wear sweaters and, and hoodies and you know and, and you know thick clothes and winter coats and everything like that. So I can't just take the stuff that's in the closet and throw that in the suitcase. So we got kind of the combination of the the things that we're not wearing yet that we're going to be wearing around town here soon. And then getting that into the suitcase, but the so the closet is still stacked. The closet is still full of all the cold weather stuff, and we're getting the the warm weather, the springtime stuff, you know, out of out of the other places, out of the out of the drawers, out of other baby suitcases that they've been kind of stored up for the last I don't know eighteen months or or twenty four months since the last time we actually have warm weather around the city here, uh, at least on any consistent basis. So we we got a combination of things going, but then like you're saying, like my wife, she handles a lot of the stuff for for our son, like getting his stuff together. So you got his his swim outfits and his shorts, and you know going out buying him other little cool stuff that he can wear as he's roaming around the beach for where we're going and everything. So you know she she's definitely managing like not only her stuff but his stuff too, just to make sure that all their things are collectively organized. And then in the end, inevitably, what happens is once her suitcase is kind of close to packed then I'll go over and just like grab a couple of things out of there just as, you know, I'm going to be the one like l- sitting and laying on top of her suitcase to make sure it closes adequately. Then I'll go over and kind of grab a couple of things out at the last second that have, in my opinion, seemingly been overpacked uh, just to just to make sure that, that the suitcase will actually close when the time is right. Maybe that we're not going to exceed yeah. the weight when we get to the airport. And I got to say that that has, as I've been thinking about that, um, over the last couple of days as I've started getting some stuff together here that has put me in the, the frame of mind of thinking about some of these teams in town. It's part of what I'd like to, to hear from you folks on a little bit. 312-644-6767. Put yourself in the, in the frame of mind of, of Ryan Poles. Matt Eberflus as well, if you'd like, but I'm, I'm thinking of it mainly through the lens of Ryan Poles because if the Bears roster at the moment still still depleted, you know, still still needs to acquire some additional talent, some additional playmakers, some additional depth just to uh, to make sure that this squad as they take the field that they're going to be in a position to to have a full healthy 53 out there, but then beyond that preferably for them to at least have a, a few playmakers. Now we we know some of the the playmakers remain on defense, not all of them. Uh, but at least uh, you know the roster at the moment, the balance of this roster still certainly tipped more towards that side of the football because there's some more proven commodities that remain there. A lot of work that needs to be done on this Bears offense. I'm just wondering, though, if, if there's anything, I'm going to say beyond the obvious, but frankly, whether or not it's the obvious or beyond the obvious. Like there's things where you out there who are listening in right now, you can call me, you can text me, 312-644-6767. When you're leaving for your trips, 
Because right now, Ryan Poles, he's been down in Florida at the meetings, but he's known for a while here. Since he's accepted this job with the Bears, he had evaluated the roster already before that point. He's known that there's work to do on the Chicago Bears. He has known that bags are going to have to be packed. Will a lot of that packing be done before we get to NFL draft weekend? If it's not, then it's going to be kind of last second at that point. He's going to be kind of just grabbing stuff and cramming it in there late. So as you see the, the gig for Ryan Poles right now, what concerns you most? What are the items that the Bears need to, to load up in their bags before before we actually get something real happening here as, as you get through the draft and as the as you get deeper into mini camps and the offseason as training camp eventually approaches here in the months to come what do the bears need to make sure they get packed it's starting to feel like maybe some of these things are a little bit last second i was talking about it. i'm trying to get ahead of things this week i'm normally a very last second packer starting to get the impression maybe maybe, uh, maybe ryan poles packs his bags a little bit late in, in the game, too, before he takes a trip somewhere. 312-644-6767. Is there a position group? Is there an individual spot that you feel like the Bears, where, where they lack most, what are you most concerned about? Frankly, how do you normally handle things? Are you someone who packs at the last second like I normally do? Love to hear from you on the way here. We have, like I mentioned, an outstanding lineup of guests who will be with me on the show. My guy, your guy, our guy, Herb Lawrence will be on with me in just a few short minutes. We will get to some White Sox discussion with Herb. Also going to talk some Bears with Cam Ellis. Get to some Cubs discussion with Joe Kilgallen later on in the show as well. And throughout, would love to hear from you also. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ann Heron. You can also hit up the show at 670thescore. I will be back with you in one moment. Let's talk some packing. You will also hear from Ryan Poles himself. We'll do all of that and more next here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670thescore. Yeah, it comes on just to, there's a lot of things with analytics, age, uh, play time. Uh, we put all of that together, and there's a timing mechanism as well as, you know, if you wait, what does that look like? If you do it now, what does it look like? And we just thought at right now it would allow the Bears to have more ammunition to add more players. That was the voice of Bears first-year general manager Ryan Poles addressing the decision-making process of trading Khalil Mack, what went into that, why they decided to do so, why he decided to do so. And um, I think the thought process in in unloading Mack, a lot of that made sense, you know, just procedurally, you know, how do you how do you execute it? Did you get enough in return? I think those things are certainly worthy of question. Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. But I, but I think just the thought process of, of creating cap space, the, the thought process of unloading a player who is, who is now on the other side of 30 but is still a high-level player when healthy in this league, even showed that while injured, playing at a high level throughout much of the first half of the season before uh, Khalil Mack had to shut it down for foot surgery this past year then you know you can at least get a return for him in a season where it would certainly indicate that the Bears aren't necessarily looking to to peak this season. And they're not in a position where reasonably they could have expected to to peak this year. So how do you balance that? And that's a, a balance that they seem to be trying to strike. Like I, I've mentioned this before. I don't think the Bears are, are looking to be terrible. I don't think they're going to try to be 
awful this year. I don't think they're planning for that. Conceptually, it wouldn't, wouldn't make too much sense because you have a quarterback in his second year. But they are trying to thread a needle, it seems. I'm not, you know, we'll see by the time the season gets here how effectively that needle ends up getting threaded. But, you know, they try to spend big money on D to get an interior defensive lineman. That obviously didn't work out with uh, with Larry Okunjobi and, and not being able to and him not passing the physical, so they don't end up signing him. And then, of course, on the interior offensive line, they were looking to spend some money over there. Made a big offer to Ryan Bates, but because he's a restricted, not an unrestricted, but a restricted free agent, then his previous squad, the Bills, who he had become a starter for last season, they decided at the last moment to match the offer from the Bears, so Ryan Bates gets his bag. He stays in Buffalo for the foreseeable future. So as of now, you don't have you, – you've got some some noteworthy unloading that's taking place from Hallis, but, you know, you don't have any noteworthy acquisitions as of yet. No, no high-level players who you've been able to acquire, and most notably, it, it would seem, not acquiring high-level talent on offense to come in and assist your young quarterback, to come in and add – to what's happening with Justin Fields. And so I was talking a lot about, uh, about, about packing, about travels, about what I, am, uh, what I have in store here for, for the next, uh, you know, next week plus for where me and my family are getting ready to head out to. And um, I'm feeling good about the, the fact that as I've been preparing, I've, I've been out in front of this packing thing that I'm in a way that I, I'm normally not. I, I'm normally not one of these early packers. I'm normally not one who's got the bag together, who's got the suitcase ready to roll days in advance. But I'm taking a different approach. I got a lot I got to get done this year, so I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get out ahead of some stuff as much as I can. And so far, I don't think Ryan Poles and the Bears are necessarily behind the game, transaction-wise, personnel-wise, acquisition-wise. But they're definitely not ahead of it. Definitely doesn't feel like, you know, like, like they've just got some – some torrid pace of, of acquisition going on. And wow, look at the way that they've gone out here and, and revamped, restructured this roster in a way that's going to lead the Bears to success. It's going to surround Justin Fields with the type of talent and playmakers that, that should really help him you know, be placed over the top. I think the expectations, how realistic could that have been for this season? Well, we're not necessarily, like I referenced, seeing them acquire high-level playmakers, really, you know, noteworthy, real renowned playmakers around him. But let's hear from the man himself on just how this offseason has been going up to this point. Ryan Poles has been out at the NFL owners meetings. They, you know, a lot of the coaches go out there. All the head coaches go out there and, and cheese for the nice uh, senior photo that they take, the class picture that they take for the coaches coming into this, uh, this upcoming season. They do that. Um, they usually do it on an annual basis. First time they've done it in three years because of COVID. The coaches go out there and do that. The GMs speak, owners speak. Everybody's out there kind of meeting with the media. They got new rules set up. You're definitely going to hear from me tonight on the NFL's overtime adjustments and my thoughts on that. We'll get to that later in the show as well. But I do want to allow you to hear from Ryan Poles himself. So first up, the, the Larry Ogunjobi acquisition that he attempted to make, and that was one where it was at least going to be the first big move out of the gate. It was the first big move out of the gate for Ryan Poles, and he tried to get Larry Ogunjobi. He agreed to terms with Larry Ogunjobi. He went out there, made that happen. It looked like at least initially the Bears had their three technique. Then, as I'm sure you know, at this point, 
they were not able to uh, – they decided not to go ahead and sign the dotted line there because Okunjobi failed the physical. And uh, Ryan Poles himself talked uh, not only about just the, the, the sort of tangible end of that, but the emotional end of the conversation that he had with Okunjobi as the deal fell through. And then I would say probably the most challenging thing that I had to go through was the Larry Ogunjobi situation. Um, from a business side, it was very clear. Um, I'm going to listen. We have a process. I'm going to listen to our doctors. Uh, I'm going to look at the evidence and, and go with what I think is right again for the organization. Um, the toughest thing I've had to go through was emotionally draining was to deny someone an opportunity when you have this verbal agreement that that's what's going to happen. That tore me to pieces. I sat in the back of the car and I had a conversation with the kid and let him know just from what my job was and from my perspective what we had to do. And um, that was that was that was hard, really hard uh, because I was excited about him. I must admit, I was kind of excited about him as well. Not because I I thought Okajobi was going to be, you know, Hall of Famer, one of the great bears we've ever seen, but. He's a playmaker. He's shown himself as a playmaker in this sport. And one of the things that Ryan, Ryan Poles had described uh, when he initially took the gig was the, the notion of, of his, his Bears roster, what this roster would look like, how he would try to shape this roster. One of the things he talked about was having players who could come in viewing this as a new opportunity, as perhaps a fresh start maybe feeling like there was something to prove and that opportunity being something that would excite them and and sort of, you know, get more out of them. And I think Larry Okunjobi would have certainly fit that bill here in Chicago as, as he had been a guy who made plays, who had done some nice things throughout his career. But this was going to be the biggest deal that he had signed in the NFL. And, um, you know, he, he was a player that certainly seemed to suit is a player that certainly seems to suit what the Bears want to do schematically at the three-technique position. So it's unfortunate that they weren't able to, to consummate it, that they didn't end up making that happen. And, you know, I don't necessarily view it as a it, – it's certainly a miss by the fact that you don't have a guy that you targeted, but I don't necessarily view it as a miss that they didn't end up going through with the deal after recognizing that Ogunjobi physically just wasn't in the state. His foot – wasn't in the state that they felt comfortable with. We, we have seen plenty over the last decade here, and certainly a lot of that under the, the Ryan Pace era, where players have come in and, and not been able to hold up physically. Players come in and immediately seem banged up physically and have these mysterious injuries that lingered and seem to affect players. And, you know, it's certainly not a way that, that any general manager would want his tenure with, with an NFL franchise to start out. And so Ogunjobi wasn't where they wanted him to be physically, so they didn't consummate the deal. They didn't sign it. It, it fell through. You know, you would hope that there was a way to to avoid that. It was one thing Polls talked about with the media as well, just that, you know what, the way the process is set up right now, maybe there's some adjustments the NFL can make to that before we get this far down the road with a player who we haven't had an opportunity to truly evaluate him coming off of an injury. But I love the fact that, that Ryan Pulse did talk about the human end of that also. He just, you know, he sounds like a real person in describing that. So I really respect him being willing to go there as well. So then where does that leave the Bears? Now that Larry Ogunjobi, that that deal didn't happen, then where are the Bears left in, in trying to continue to pursue other talent? Because it does seem like 
I'm using my my suitcase analogy here, and I've, I've got a I've gotten a, a nice head start on my packing. Doesn't really feel like the Bears have gotten a, a big head start on their packing and in their bags and their suitcase. But where does that leave them as we approach this? What's you know kind of thought of as this second and third wave of free agency? It's not specifically a day. It's just when you start to see it actually gets quiet for a second. You see the big you know the fireworks go off from the beginning. And then there's a lull in terms of working the phones. And as that settles down a little bit, you can kind of feel that change. Um, and you can tell that the competition that you have is, it changes, the demands change. Um, so it's more of a feel than anything and drop off of, of price point as well. That's what I find kind of intriguing about where the Bears are at right now and trying to sort of predict, trying to surmise where they will be because there, there's certainly been, there've been names out there. There've been players out there that they could have perhaps targeted, could have gone for, could have, you know, tried to throw some big money at, at other individuals at, at positions that feel like positions of need. And they haven't, they've been very, very, I'll, I'll say meticulous about the way they've gone about acquisitions so far. It's not the worst thing in the world because there, there are a lot of holes that will need to be filled. There are a lot of, you know, things that would need to be proven by players who are on the roster right now, but then also by your, your young quarterback, your second year QB, and, and waiting to see. And I, I don't necessarily mind what feels like maybe a bit of a, a wait-and-see approach that the Bears are taking in, in how glowing they're, they're talking about Justin Fields. I think they have been more than complimentary enough of, of what their expectations are, what their hopes are for Justin Fields. But uh, they haven't, you know, necessarily gone out of their way to kind of describe him as this definitive generational talent or a guy who's going to lead this team to Super Bowls or anything like that. They've been complimentary of what they've seen so far. But to be clear, they haven't even been on the practice field with him yet. So, I mean, how much can they honestly say? If they showed up talking about how, you know, Justin Fields was the, was the second coming, why would that even make sense if they were going down that road with him so quickly? So I, I don't mind the way that they're describing Justin Fields, they're, they're being complimentary without being, you know, sort of condescending. They're, they're being complimentary without, you know, sort of, you know, I, I think waxing too poetic about how awesome they believe he is at the moment. Because, they, frankly, they haven't they, they watched the guy play on film, but there's only so much they can reasonably say about a guy who they haven't even coached yet, haven't, haven't even managed yet in a game setting, and even in a practice setting. So we'll, we'll see. I, I would imagine the compliments will continue to roll in about Justin Fields. The evaluation is there. It will continue to be ongoing. There's not much doubt about that. So at the moment then, what, what felt like was, was going to be a, a nice move and a good acquisition, at least on the defensive side, of course, ended up falling through. But where does that leave them? On the, on the defensive side of things. They did end up acquiring Justin Jones, and he's a player that, that Ryan Poles, at least for the moment, uh, says some nice things about and, and what he can be within this Bears defense. And I do see him as a guy who have the potential to be versatile within the way that it sounds like the Bears will operate with this defensive scheme. But let's hear from Ryan Poles himself about the defensive lineman who they went out and acquired after the Larry Ogunjobi deal went through. That was Justin Jones. Our staff was really excited about him as well. Um, tough, physical. I've, I, obviously, we faced him when I was in Kansas City um, and, and going against the Chargers. Um, he has the element of being disruptive in both the run and the pass game and really 
I think Matt spoke on it. That three technique is very important in this defense. It helps also cover up um, and free up the will linebacker. So he he has the ability to disrupt both run and the pass. That's what you want. You you certainly hope for that. And and in the end, you know, there there are guys who have stretches of their careers where where they become disruptive, even if it's for just sort of this this one moment in time. You know that not everyone who's who can be kind of dynamic at that spot ends up being amongst the best in the business for an extended period of time. And that's part of what some of these shorter contracts and some of the ways that the Bears are going about things right now. That's what some of these things will will give guys the opportunity to prove. And Justin Jones is just kind of the the next guy in that line. He's only 25 years old. And so, you know, for him, he's even younger, certainly less proven than Larry Ogunjobi, but he does have a skill set. He is a guy with some twitch to him. He is a guy who has shown that ability to have, you know, kind of the skill set they're looking for. He hasn't made plays nearly to the extent that Okunjobi has, but, you know, when, when you're in that situation, you're a bit of the consolation prize. One thing that Ryan Pulse was up front with the media about when he spoke with them was essentially that, you know, all right, after we thought we had Larry Okunjobi, then the free agency cycle did continue to churn, and you know, there, there were some guys who we wouldn't have minded who may have been next in line for us who we probably missed out on, and he was very open, honest about that. So some of that feels different than than where things sat with the previous regime, at least than, than what – Brian Pace was willing to say at different points and and you know how not only how frequently he was willing to address the media but just the way he went about things in addressing the media it feels like you know Ryan Poles has said there are certain things he won't be able to share he, he was willing to to reference that verbally but to be able to to at least describe things in a way where folks can kind of understand what the thought process is procedurally what worked and what didn't work what they legitimately feel bad about it just it doesn't insult our intelligence at least here early that's kind of refreshing from the general manager now obviously as we continue here he's going to be judged on results but here just a few weeks into the gig so we can judge ryan poles on is his acquisitions or lack thereof his explanations of what the philosophy is what they're trying to get done and how it's going so far so i would say on the whole at least just in in the way things are being described, so far so good, but you know, not off to a not off to a speedy start. We'll, we'll see whether or not that ends up, uh, you know, being being bad or good or, or somewhere in between. But they're not necessarily off and running. But I, I don't I don't think they're too far behind the eight ball yet. We're a month out from the NFL draft. We'll see what other acquisitions may get made between now and then. But obviously, the draft itself will end up telling a really big story about what's to come from Ryan Poles' perspective. How about the head man? How about the guy with the big whistle, Matt Eberflus? Let's take a timeout. We'll hear from the head coach of the Chicago Bears as he's been addressing the media down there in Florida at the owners' meetings as well. We will hear from the man they call Flus next on The Score. Khalil's had a great career, and he's going to continue to do well and a lot of good things uh, in the future. But we just thought for the best for the organization going forward, looking at the whole piece of it, you know, the contract, looking at everything going forward for us, for the club, it was the best move for us. You know, we all signed off on it. It was, it was, it'll be good for us in, in the long run. Matt Eberflew said they all signed off on it there. Really good to know. Obviously, it's Ryan Poles' show, but when you think about uh, the Mitch Trubisky draft pick where Ryan Pace just kind of goes behind the back 
of John Fox and drafts Mitch Trubisky. Could have been a good feeling for John Fox to, to find out when everyone else did that the Bears were interested in and trading for and then acquiring Mitchell Trubisky. I would imagine that didn't do wonders for the relationship between, at the time, the Bears head coach that ended up going through the Mozilla. I, I called it the Mozilla. I thought it was going to catch on. I don't know why it didn't when the Bears end up firing Fox, but maybe a lot of folks just don't use the same same web engines that I do when you're on the on the interwebs. But, um, you know, this was apparently a, a very forthright, open process that the Bears decided to move on from Khalil Mack, as Matt Eberflus was talking about there. But uh, I can't. I can't think of many examples uh, here of, of recent Chicago vintage of, you know, kind of one seminal player that definitively signaled the beginning of a championship window and then soon thereafter signaled the end, the definitive end, the the waving of the proverbial white flag of a championship window then when the Bears first acquired Khalil Mack and he shows up on Monday Night Football, looks like the best football player any of us have ever seen. And then now, you know, after an, an injury-riddled couple of years and playing less than half this past season and the Bears trading him and, and moving on, uh, Khalil Mack, that is, that is the bookending of – that's the odd thing. The, the bookending of Matt Nagy's time here being uh, a, a defensive player, defensive stud, I think that tells you everything you need to know in some ways. That's kind of a microcosm of Matt Nagy's time as the Bears head coach that you know, not only was their best player a defensive player, but his acquisition and then his trading away is what really signaled the beginning of, the anticipation for, and then the end of the Bears championship window. That, that was what bookended Matt Nagy's time here. Wasn't an offensive player as he was coming as his offensive guru Nope, it was a defensive guy. It was Khalil Mack. And the fact that that was the best player, that that was the guy who, who sort of showed what the Bears were hoping to be, then I guess that just, uh, that, that just tells you that that is the, one of the quintessential examples of how, how underwhelming Matt Nagy's offensive prowess was. It wasn't an offensive stud. Now, you know, I suppose you could throw, throw Allen Robinson to some extent in, into that mix. Allen Robinson certainly the best offensive player that the Bears had during Matt Nagy's time here, but the acquisition of Allen Robinson didn't signal like, all right, the Bears are going for it because they went out and got some dude coming off an ACL who had one great season in Jacksonville of all places. Now, Khalil Mack was the guy, was the name that that really signaled what the Bears were hoping to do during that time and getting the richest contract in franchise history and everything else. But then, of course, things things went south. and uh, After that first season, they were obviously going south in, in a – you know, it, it was, I suppose, an obviously gradual manner, uh, for lack of a, a better description there for how it went season after season. But then Khalil Mack is gone, and now that signals that the, the Bears' championship hopes for the moment are gone. Uh, because if, if the Bears are thinking Super Bowl this year, then that's that player you want to keep around. And that's fair. There's nothing wrong with not thinking Super Bowl this season, but then how do you progress from this point forward? How do you get yourself in that? How do you head in that Super Bowl direction that is certainly a part of what what the Bears would need to be figuring out here part of what will be different though you have no Khalil Mack is that the defense will now be different that was one of the things that Matt Eberflus addressed with the Chicago media the flipping of the defense from what has been this odd front this 3-4 defense 
not flipping it to a 4-3. And we've heard a number of things. We've heard the acronyms and the hits principle, and we've heard him talk about the, the importance of the three technique and things like that. But he was able to, as a variety of folks from the media, got their opportunities to, to sit down and hear from Matt Eberflus in some detail about these things. That's one of the things that he talked about was the flipping of the D from the 3-4 to the 4-3. You just got to look at the man. You got to look at the individual skill set. Some guys transfer over to, hey, being able to move to a six and play a nine and play a defensive end, put his hand in the dirt. Um, and some guys just are, they don't, they can't do it. And you just got to be able to, to look at that. Then the inside pieces in a three, four, you have the three bigs. You, know, you got the tackles that play a lot of, they play three, they play four, which is inside the tackle. Then you got the big nose, nose tackle piece. And those guys mostly come out on third down. And who comes in? You know, they kick the guys inside. The pass rushers come in. Um, you know, so we're already in that alignment, the pass rushing alignment. So we'll look at the inside pieces. And we'll look at the outside pieces and make them fit. And, uh, you know, and there may be a guy in there that's a DPR, that's a designated pass rusher that you use more on passing downs. And that's who he is. And maybe he can play off the ball backer. I don't know. Um, uh, right at this time, we're still looking at all that. So we have, we've done that before, too. There are a variety of ways that you can, of course, skin the cat of how the how the front, not only are they aligned, but how do you actually play them? What what body types and sizes do you play in individual spots along your defensive line? There, there are a variety of ways that, that that can end up playing out just depending on the personnel itself. 312-644-6767. Phone number to give me a call. We got to let's go out to the phone lines right now and hear from Doug who is out in West Dundee and our score listener line is powered by BetQL Bet Smarter and Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com. Doug, what's happening man? You're on the score. Hi Anthony. Um I I just wanted to offer up uh, Jay Cutler as as a seminal moment uh, requiring multiple first-round picks and all the hoopla and then um, just never never coming close to at least what I was hopeful of. Um, And maybe it was more of a slow, painful death with with Cutler as compared to Mac, but both of them an awful lot of draft capital and and even though Mac is obviously a good player, I think he under, you know, for, for what the expectation was, I suppose it, he under delivered and, and I know it's injury, but uh, I, I'm just glad they did move him. I wish they could have got more, but I like at least the definitive approach of we're doing this and we're going this way and, and not milking it out like Jay Cutler, uh, which seemed like an eternity. yeah i like that example doug that's a good one and i mean in the whatever it was like seven ish seasons that that jay cutler was here in chicago you know he kind of continued to be the same guy but there were ebbs and flows over the course of that you know and and for him the, the talents that jay cutler possessed past tense probably still does possess you know just as a as a guy who can sling it um you know there were very few around the nfl who had the the pure physical gifts of Jay Cutler. There'd be times where you'd see Aaron Rodgers doing certain things. I'd say, you know what? Like, really one of the only other guys in football that could do some of the things we saw that guy in Green Bay do was Jay Cutler. Problem is, you know, everything that was there between the ears, you know, the the mental aptitude for the position, the mentality that he attacked the position with, the leadership, all those other things just never really allowed those physical attributes to show themselves on a consistent basis through a variety of 
of offensive coordinators. It's part of why he was one of the more frustrated, more mercurial talents in football throughout, you know, much of his career, nearly all of his career, because everyone could see the game, the potential that Jay Cutler had, but it just never consistently came together. Wasn't always in perfect situations or anything like that, but but uh, he he had a lot of folks pulling their hair out because you could see the the ability for the position that was always there. It's all it's why you know he he was just one of those guys that that coaches would would clamor for the the opportunity to coach because you see what he can do, and then he could frustrate the hell out of you too because it just didn't always seem like he was doing it the way he was supposed to be making it happen at the quarterback position. But, yeah, it's a a very good example, I think, when the Bears first acquired him of of thinking that, hey, we we might be on top of something here. We might get – we have some potential. And then over seven years, sometimes it's like, all right, maybe we're in a window. Other times, nah, not so much. And then you had the the fizzle – of those final few seasons in Chicago. So I don't think it's quite as definitive because Mac was like that brief period of just a few seasons. Window starts, window ends, all of that is the whatever, what, what three seasons that Khalil Mack was here. Jay Cutler, there was more of a, a fizzle to the ebb and flow of that time here. But it was a good example that Doug gave there. Let's transition to some baseball talk. We'll talk some White Sox on the other side of a timeout. We will do it with one of the more familiar voices that you've heard in the history of this station. I believe we're about to make some history here with Herb Lawrence next on The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 